Welcome to episode 158. I'm Stuart McCullough, I'm the CEO of VHAA. Joining me for this week's weekly update is the Manager of Workplace Relations Services and the original Tiger King, Tim Nagel. Welcome, Tim. Thanks, Stuart, good to be here. And while you're, whilst you're dressed as a waiter, I'll have a long black thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Would you be kind enough to reveal the clue for today's discussion? So for the benefit of those people who are listening to this podcast rather than watching, could you describe the object and maybe even you know, hold it up rather than leaving it lying there? It's a, it's, a, it's a book called Closing Time, and it's a sequel to Catch-22, and it's a novel by Joseph Heller. So are you familiar with this book? No. Um, almost nobody is. Uh, but if I was to say Catch-22, to which this is the sequel most people would be aware of Catch-22, perhaps one of the most famous novels of the 20th century. Um, so we're talking about, we're talking about sequels. Um, that is something that follows an original piece. Sometimes they are uh, perhaps not well known. Sometimes the sequel is, is better than the original. I'm thinking Godfather 2, I'm thinking Breakdance 2, Electric Boogaloo, uh, Evil Dead 2 as, as just a few examples that spring to mind. Um, sometimes uh, sequels can be a, a lesson in diminishing returns uh, to which I, I need say no more other than the words Police Academy. Uh, but based on, uh, on that clue, what would you say the subject for today's discussion is? Uh, so uh, given that it's closing time, I'd suggest it's probably um, uh, closure dates and closure times, particularly over Christmas. Tim, that's a nice kiss, but you couldn't be more wrong. Uh, we're talking about sequels, and today we're talking about the sequel to the Safe Patient Care uh, nurse, to uh, nurse to Patient, Midwife to Patient Ratio Act, uh, and a new bill uh, that has been released which proposes to make amendments uh, to the current act. Uh, just in terms of the summary that we'll be providing today, I will just mention uh, that it's also the subject of a bulletin that has been issued. Uh, the, the number for that bulletin is currently on screen for those members who wish to refer to that uh, bulletin. Uh, but just to get us started, uh, could you give us an overview of the changes that have been proposed with regards to the Safe Patient Care Act? Yeah, so broadly speaking, there's, uh, there's 14 proposed changes. Uh, the first thing to note, however, is that the phasing from the previous amendments are unchanged. So that's still, um, that's still required to occur over the life of the previous amendment. All right, so the, the new proposed amendments don't interfere with, no. the, with the amendments that have already been made. That still uh, proceeds. Uh, and do all of those changes relate specifically to the Safe Patient Care Act? Well, um, interestingly enough, 12 of them do relate to the Safe Patient Care Act and the residual two uh, relate to amendments to the Child Wellbeing and Safety Act 2005. So we're going to spend most of our time focusing on the Safe Patient Care Act. That's the one that's uh, of predominant interest. Uh, can you start just taking us through the changes that are proposed? So the first change uh, relates to the insertion of a reference to short-stay observation area. Uh, within the definition of general medical or surgical ward and the subsequent definition of short-stay observation area. That does lead to the obvious question. How is the term short-stay observation area defined? Yeah, so you can see on the screen, uh, short-stay observation area means an area of hospital into which patients admitted to the emergency department are transferred for the provision of short-term treatment, observation, assessment or reassessment when they no longer require emergency care. So people should be very familiar with what a short-stay observation area is. That fits with how people generally understand that term currently? 
Yes. Okay, so why is that definition relevant? Well, this definition becomes relevant when we get to the changes made to mixed ward ratios, which we'll touch on a little bit later. Okay, so no spoiler alert at this point. No, we're, we're, trying, saving, to build, we're trying to build up suspense. Build a bit of tension. Yes. It's working very well. Uh, so the, the next change we're going to touch on concerns Level 4 hospitals. Can you tell us about that? So currently after-hours coordinators in Level 4 hospitals don't have to be supernumerary in certain circumstances. The effect of this next amendment will be that they will be supernumerary if they meet either of the set criteria. All right, so that takes us to the obvious question. What are the criteria uh, for those Level 4 hospitals that will determine whether or not an after-hours coordinator is supernumerary? Well, firstly, they need to be a Level 4 hospital with one or two units. That's where the change is targeted. So just in terms of that, I mean, I, I take it there are no Level 4 hospitals with no units? <laughs> not anymore. So we're really filling a gap here. Is that, is that what's proposed? That's correct. All right. And if they have one or two wards, uh, when is it that they'll have to have a, a supernumerary after-hours coordinator? So their after-hours coordinator will need to be supernumerary if the hospital has either or both of the following. So the first one is an ED that has a minimum of 2,500 annual presentations in 12 months immediately preceding the date that the ratio is being applied and or a nominated birthing suite within the meaning of Section 31 of the Safe Patient Care Act. So that means that um, if either of those apply, uh, then a campus with one or two units has to have their after-hours coordinator as supernumerary. So in practical terms, uh, what, what impact will that have on members? Yeah, so those uh, campuses with one or two units that currently have a non-supernumerary after-hours coordinator need to review to see whether they meet any of those criteria. If they do, then they'll have to make that person supernumerary, which means that they'll have to increase the staffing profile on that site. Uh, so the next change I want to touch on is, is uh, everybody's second favourite subject after long service leave, I think, and that concerns the rounding method. Uh, what are the changes that are proposed with respect to the rounding method? Yeah, so this was commonly referred to as the 50% rule. Uh, and Named after the rapper. <laughs> so depending on whether you fell uh, either under the, or at the 50% or under or above the 50%, uh, then you had to round up or round down. Uh, the aim of the previous amendments to the Safe Patient Care Act has been that over time you can no longer round down if you're at the 50%. So take us through the changes that are proposed. So as of the 1st of March 2021, the rounding method will apply to uh, the following units, so the acute stroke wards, haematology wards and also oncology wards. Just in terms of the scope of that change, um, uh, who does it apply to and which shifts? So it applies to all hospitals with those wards or those types of wards or part thereof on all shifts. So just in terms of the date, 1 March 2021, uh, that's to be implemented on the same day as the next scheduled change in the rounding methodology under the Safe Patient Care Act? Yeah, so these are additional, uh, additional elements to those requirements. Uh, but the difference is the additional uh, ward types? That's right, exactly. So are there any other changes to the rounding methodology? Under the last amendments to the Safe Patient Care Act, there were exceptions to the rounding methodology where it would not apply to high care residential aged care wards on the AM and PM shift and to rehabilitation wards on the night duty. And do those exceptions still, still stand? So these exceptions will be phased out as part of the amendments. Over what period of time? So from the 1st of July 2022, uh, the rounding methodology will apply in all hospitals on the PM shift in an aged high care residential ward and on the night shift in a rehabilitation ward. 
So from the 1st of July 2023, the rounding methodology will apply in all hospitals on the AM shift to an aged high care residential ward. So there's a phasing in of those amendments over time. So notwithstanding the, the phasing in, uh, let's talk about impact. Uh, what impact will that have? So a couple of impacts come to mind. The most obvious one is that there'll be a need for additional nurses and midwives, um, primarily nurses in this instance, and that'll have obviously a financial and a resourcing impact. Uh, commitments obviously have been made around the additional funding uh, to support these changes. Uh, the second impact concerns workforce and the need to ensure that there's an available workforce to meet the ratios, including in rural and regional areas. So that's why that lead-in time is so important. And uh, are there any other changes um, uh, worth mentioning in terms of the rounding method? Yes, there are. Uh, what are the other changes that are proposed? So there are two broad remaining changes, and they include changes to the ratios for mixed wards, and requirements for additional EFT of in-charged nurses and midwives. Let's start with the mixed ward. So, first of all, for those people who may not be familiar with that term, what is a mixed ward? So the current Safe Patient Care Act under Section 12A says that where there is more than one ratio applied to a mixed ward, then one, only one nurse or midwife in charge is required for the whole mixed ward. So having a mixed ward doesn't mean that you double up on in charge. That's right. Likewise, Clause 12A7B uh, preserves a requirement where a health service may not have nominated a mixed ward whether we're meant to. Okay, so even if you haven't nominated a mixed ward, you don't get doubled up in terms of your staffing requirements in for in charge. So how are these provisions proposed to change? Yeah, so in relation to a mixed ward, which includes a short-stay observation area, so this is where we go back from the earlier teaser at the start of the podcast. Yeah, I see dots being connected here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we previously disclosed the introduction of the new definition of short-stay observation area, and this is why. So when would a health service be required to staff an additional in charge where their mixed ward included a short stay observation area? So the ratios for mixed ward are on screen. So the existing provisions of 12A6 and 12A7B, ability to have only one in charge for a mixed ward where more than one ratio requires it, will not apply to night duty of a short stay observation area if one, it is co-located with an emergency department in a hospital specified in part one of Schedule C uh, Schedule 3 of the Principal Act and the total number of occupied beds in the short stay observation area and emergency department is 30 or more. Uh, so this really takes us to the issue of increased requirements for staff in charge for nurses and midwives. Uh, can you summarise what's proposed here? Yeah, so it does. And these requirements will be implemented progressively from the 1st of July uh, 2021 to the 1st of July 2023. We might get a table up on screen just to assist us which is here. So additional um, nurse midwives in charge for general medical surgical wards. So for the level one hospitals, level two hospitals, level three hospitals, it's the night shift. And the additional EFT requirement is plus an in charge on night duty. And it's, it progressively goes from the 1st of July 2020 for level one hospitals. 2021, yeah. 2021 to uh, tw 1st of July 2022 for level two hospitals and finally the 1st of July 2023 for level three hospitals. Uh, so just to be clear, this is only on the night shift in either uh, general medical or surgical wards? Correct. Uh, and are, are there any other changes proposed for the in-charge requirements? Yeah, so they are there on screen at the moment. So you can see uh, that for all hospitals um, in special care nurseries with eight or more occupied cots, uh, on the night shift, there's an additional requirement for plus one in charge, and that's from the initial date of the amendment, and that's... Uh, that's, that's an unknown date at this point. Correct. 
Uh, the second one is for all hospitals and postnatal wards on the night shift. There's a plus one in charge, and that's from the 1st of July 2022. Uh, the third one is all hospitals rehabilitation and geriatric evaluation management wards uh, on the night shift, where there's a plus one in charge from the 1st of July 2023. And finally, for level one, two, and three hospitals, where there's hospitals with six or more nominated birthing suites on the PM and night shift, there's a plus one midwife in charge, and that's to apply from the 1st of July 2023. So obviously that last change is a little bit different to the others. Yes, the last change only applies to level one, two and three hospitals with six or more nominated birthing suites and specifically requires an additional midwife in charge of the afternoon and night shifts. Uh, so by my count, we've covered off all the changes for the Safe Patient Care Act bar one. Could you take us through the final change? The last change is that Warrnambool Base Hospital will be reclassified from a level three to a level two hospital. But still in Warrnambool? Still in Warrnambool. Good. Uh, that takes us then to the other piece of legislation. What is the other piece of legislation that is uh, impacted by this bill? So it's the Child Wellbeing and Safety Act 2005. And what are the changes that are being proposed to the Child Wellbeing and Safety Act? Yeah, the changes relate specifically to child and maternal health nurses and the provision of maternal and child health nursing services and regulation making powers. So just in terms of the changes that are proposed uh, for the provision of maternal and child health nursing service, could you describe them? Yes, yeah, so the change would prohibit an operator of a maternal and child health centre and or the operator of a statewide telephone service that provides such services um, to provide a prescribed nursing service unless they hold a prescribed specialist maternal and child health nursing qualification or alternative qualification that is substantially equivalent. So it's really about the qualifications that a nurse must have to provide those services. It does prompt the question though in terms of what a maternal and child uh, nursing health nursing service is. Yeah, so the Act defines maternal and child health service as a service under the control of a council that provides health advice to parents and other caregivers of children under six years of age. In this case, council refers to a municipal council. It's interesting, though, that term control and how that might apply. So what about the, uh, uh, the current and existing arrangements? So this change will not require the variation of any employment contracts or workplace instruments under the Fair Work Act currently. And lastly, you briefly mentioned changes to the regulation-making power. Uh, what does that refer to? Yeah, so this means that the amendments to the Child Wellbeing and Safety Act provide that the Governor and Council has regulation-making powers to do anything necessary to give effect to the new changes made above. What that means, uh, we cannot say, but it's not really going to have a massive impact upon our members. So at the moment, these changes are contained within a bill. Uh, the bill has, has reached Parliament, but has yet to go through that parliamentary process. Uh, that, yes, that's my understanding. All right, so people will have received summaries uh, with regards to the bill through that bulletin that we referred to before. How many changes are we up to in terms of, uh, I guess, sequels to the Safe Patient Care Act? My can is this is the third one. Third one. I'm not sure where that puts us in police academy terms, whether that's Mission to Moscow or uh, Miami Beach uh, as such. But uh, we'll watch with interest and, of course, we'll be updating members uh, throughout the process, both by bulletin and through the VHA Yammer network uh, as those changes and with regards to any changes uh, that, that come into law. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for briefing us with regards to the proposed changes to the Safe Patient Care Act. My pleasure. Thanks. Thank you.